Welcome to Maritime Software Hud. On this episode, I'm really excited to be speaking to Christine Omholt Jensen, who's the founder and CEO of Maritime Optima. She's got a really interesting background. She's done a lot of investment in the, the maritime technology space and also a number of other businesses. Some of them are kind of not for profits, others are, and I'm going to have hopefully a, a real kind of deep dive into the role of investment within technology businesses and perhaps how business owners can kind of position themselves to be more attractive to potential buyers. So really looking forward to this one. Hopefully from my point of view, we can try and learn a, a lot as well. So thanks for tuning in and I um, hope you enjoy. Hi, Christine. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Colum. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. I've been uh, obviously being a big, big fan of, of, of Maritime Optima's sort of solutions and, and the news that's been going on around the business and, and also a lot of the projects that you've been working on. So it's really fascinating. And I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy learning more about your background. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure being here. No, you're very welcome. Well, on that note, I'd love to, if you could share a bit of a an overview of your background and the main projects that you've worked on and that you're focusing on at this time. Mm-hmm. I can start by saying that I'm actually born on the west coast of Norway and my father was a captain uh, sailing for Leif Hoek for many years. So most of my childhood I've been on board his vessels and traveling around the world. So my from an educational background I have like a master's degree in shipping, finance and yeah. uh, an international trade and I've been doing shipping projects most of my life either as a charting manager or in business development also involved in educational programs like the setting up an executive MBA for Nanyang Business School and the Norwegian Management School uh, and then I've also been heading the first Northern Sea Route project uh, sending a dry cargo vessel through the uh, Northeast Passage which was oh, back wow. in 2010. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and before I started Maritime Optima, I had like two other startups. Uh, one, IC, made them bark nautical maps for uh, boaters, like uh, Google Maps, a lot of inspiration from Google Maps. And then uh, Rendra, with a Streambeam uh, product, like having a software bringing big building information models out on the construction sites instead of paper drawings. But my main product now is Maritime Optima, and, uh, which is a motor and easy to use premium software for the maritime industry. So, and besides Maritime Optima, I have invested in some other companies, or which maybe Decision is the biggest and most significant external software investment I've done. So, and Decision you should check out also is, is a software organizing meetings into being the most productive part of your day. So, okay. And some real estate, but <laughs> mostly my yeah, wife well, is in place with Maritime Optima. <laughs> extremely busy lady by the sounds of it. And it's really, really impressive and fantastic what we, the journey you've been on, especially businesses that you started kind of scaled and, and also exited as well. So we're going to touch upon that a little bit later. But the, the main theme of this discussion of, of this particular episode is, is going to be around investment and in particular investment in the maritime technology space. So you've got lots of experience in that area and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about them in more detail. So obviously Maritime Optima, that's the primary focus at the moment. Can you tell a little bit more about how, how the business helps your clients with their kind of digital journey? Yeah, well, that's a pleasure. It's my most favorite question to have. <laughs> okay, you good. You <laughs> to help maritime professionals unlock actually the, what I call the digital potential by providing uh, intelligent and easy to use software based on industry knowledge, big data, and algorithms like machine learning. 
Uh, we want all the maritime professionals working in this industry um, to have access to a quality assured, life updated, re- also relevant and quality assured information to make it easier for them to access relevant uh, information for the decision makings. So I think like it's important to help people save time. It's a lot of information out there today, but it takes a lot of time to find it. So we want to help yeah. them to save time so they can have more time for their qualified decisions maybe discussing teams and, and uh, digest new opportunities. And uh, information in these days is like AIS, uh, satellite, terrestrial data, public info, info from emails, phone calls, manual added information. I mean, you have information stored in so many silo softwares. I think the most in- uh, interesting thing with the sh- uh, ship Intel now is actually to try to unlock that uh, potential for the also the small and medium-sized company. So in ship Intel, you can create a ship Intel as a basic ship account, as a ship Intel basic account, as we call it, for free. It's a freemium yeah. software. Maybe maybe the only freemium, real freemium software there is in the industry. Yes, you can invite really in- interesting that. Really interesting that you've, you've gone down that model, which I'd love to, if you could... Yeah, elaborate that a little bit more. That'd be really interesting. Yeah, I think freemium is known in other industries. So I think like uh, in in uh, this industry, it seems to be like uh, something not happening. And when I talk to people, many people said to me, why hasn't this happened before in this industry? I think um, uh, there is like um, many reasons for that. But most of the reasons are maybe that this industry hasn't been very interested in uh, the, uh, the digital journey so far. I think also it's like a kind of pre-COVID and after COVID for this industry. Most of the startups that have been starting has are not here anymore. So, so I mean, it's also kind of challenging landscape for startups uh, to survive in. So I think for this industry, it's like premium seems like something very strange. But for all, all the businesses like we had in the construction business also, we, had, we run this premium, not free trial, but premium. Uh, which is actually then helping people to explore the software themselves. They don't need to be called upon us uh, by a lot of sales, aggressive salespeople, but then we want to help them, want to support them, want to make yes. them successful. A little bit different approach from uh, traditional software. No, it is definitely. And it's uh, something I mean, we, we, we've talked about in the, uh, very briefly as well. It's something we're doing on our, our new kind of Cordell Beaumont Academy with our new free online um, course for helping people a bit more about to learn about the the digital skills and, and and that type of thing in the shipping space. So, I think it's a great great platform, a great way of um, getting engagement with businesses and things. So, um, fantastic to hear more about that. Yeah, but also for your educational program, I think is a very good uh, yeah. good uh, business model because I think the the new trend uh, is in a way that you need to give the users something uh, for free, not uh, not a free trial, not not something that is limited free for a period of time, but that you give something to like uh, make them engaged, as you say. And, and because the yes. most important thing now is to build loyal mm-hmm. active users. That, that's the key for successful uh, softwares, I, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, no, well, it's really, really interesting. I won't dive too much into too deep about how then you kind of go into the more revenue generating kind of uh, modules and, and, and solutions with Maritime Optima. But uh, I, I'm sure it's obviously a next phase, which, which I'd love to hear about more perhaps another time. Sure. But I guess switching to the main focus of the, of the discussion, in investment in businesses. So you've obviously had a great track record and, and a real kind of uh, flair for it over the years. So what is it that you enjoy most about investing in different businesses? It's actually to create something that might make a difference together with the team, having different skills and experience and in, in thriving working together. That That's the most important motivation for me. 
every day. So instead of putting uh, money just in shares and and uh, and like silent money in the bank, I prefer to put my uh, my money to work. So I love to actually to achieve things together with people, and I think it's a it's always a pleasure to meet people because they know so much. I can learn so much. And if we are able yeah. to put things together and, and actually work very well together, try together, do fun times together, build a great team, that's what's inspiring me every day. I think it's so fascinating. I think most of my project has been project that people have told me that you can't do. It's impossible. But by putting people together, owning the same ambition and, and make the people and the, in the team thrive and, and explore and digest and discuss, uh, that's what I love. <laughs> I think it's so fascinating. So much good people out there. Yeah, no, it really is. And how do you generally kind of find these new uh, businesses that you want to kind of align with? Is it mainly networking? Do they get introduced to you? Yeah, I mean, when you've been around for a while, you have a pretty good uh, and big network. And, and uh, mostly it's network. It's also like friends. So friends um, contacting me for like uh, being mentoring for them, asking uh, about different things, uh, asking mostly about my experience, of course. So so it's mostly the network, I will say. So um, I'm not actively yeah. out there searching for investment opportunities in these days because uh, I, I prefer to spend most of my time with uh, my I'm Optima today. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I guess for any, say, for example, if, if you were to spend a little more time looking for investment opportunities, and maybe if you go step back to what you've done in the past, when you've kind of reviewed different business opportunities and companies to invest in, what are the kind of fundamentals that you've been looking for in, in those businesses? So it's mostly about the team, I think. I mean, I, 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 but also if you like looking into this B2B software, I think it's a necessity to understand the industry that you are investing in or that that, that, that software company is investing in. I, I think that's uh, main importance uh, yes. to try to understand. Because each yeah. industry has their own peculiars and uh, and differences. So uh, understanding thoroughly the industry, the companies that are inside this industry and how they are knit together uh, in their business models, that's very, very important to understand. But then I think also it's um, about the team because the team can solve every unforeseen challenges that might occur. And there will be many of them because you can't plan for everything when you are a startup. You, you need to like also be curious enough to, to, to change things while working and working. So I think the most important thing as a second part is the team. Are they able to work together? Do they try together? Uh, are they able to work agile and, and solve unforeseen challenges? That That's my, maybe the most important thing. And of course, the team also needs to be passionate for what they are doing. Um, they need also to really uh, uh, working long hours and, and and try to achieve something together. So, so I think understanding the industry, understanding the problem that this software company tries to solve, and the team, and maybe the team is the most important because a good team can can sort out any problem and challenges that occur. What I don't look for is actually entrepreneur telling me that uh, they have a hockey stick for revenues and everything is snowballing very quickly into the heaven, no limits. Uh, that that yeah. is a type of uh, entrepreneurs I am not investing in. I have never been interested in that kind of storytelling. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and do, do you have a, a team around you or it, perhaps in the past of when you have invested in businesses that you kind of lean on for expertise in I don't know, either, either financial analysis or, or other areas where you look at different businesses or, or do you solely focus it on, on yourself? 
No, no, no. It's always about people. Um, and I think, uh, the, okay, when I started the first company, it was mainly my energy, maybe my ambitions and try to recruit people to join my, my goals and ambitions. But being around for some years and, and this is uh, like my third startup, um, which I really initiated. There's a lot of people here been working with me to get there together with me in the previous companies, previous project. Investors joining me is a part of my network. Also like uh, public funding in Norway, have a good network have kind of uh, achieved goals together with the people before make it much easier when you start all over again so it's, it's actually then it's a kind of privilege to be experienced <laughs> yeah and in the beginning you needed to do everything more more or less yourself but being around for some years uh, and then you're working together with a solid team no I, I completely agree if you were to start up another business at some point in the future would you ever consider starting up by yourself or would you always think you know what every time now I'd like to have a somebody else just the co-founder kind of with me or, or are you completely happy doing things by yourself to start with yeah so i think uh, i have a tech partner but robert and me we are like a kind of couple uh, working together uh, for so many years now and it works perfect he's uh, has a solid Brilliant. tech background and i is more on the commercial side but of course we are learning and training each other also so I, I don't see myself uh, going into software companies without joining uh, my tech colleague because we are like uh, one plus one is three instead of two. So we, uh, in a yeah. way, belongs together when it comes to setting up new new businesses. Briefly interrupt this episode to talk to you about our brand new Cordell Beaumont Academy. First suite of courses is in build mode at the moment. And the initial course that we're going to roll out is called the Digital Skills Accelerator. Really excited about this. Essentially, from my recruitment experience and from our team's kind of uh, day-to-day interaction with different businesses in the maritime top technology space and also the commercial shipping space, we're seeing there's a bit of a disconnect between people with perhaps the combination of maritime and technology experience. So what we're trying to do is provide some very high-level courses, online courses kind of in in, in video format, bite-sized four, five, six minutes per lesson, just giving a high-level overview of the different areas within maritime technology. So that could be perhaps focusing on weather routing or, I don't know, um, vessel performance solutions, and a pre and post fixture sort of uh, data associated with cargo flows, that type of thing. So each episode will all have a specific top- topic that I'll run through. And the idea is to try and help people perhaps that are in Maybe they're in a, a shipbroking role right now, or they are a vessel operator for a ship owner, and obviously they're using technology day to day, or they're being encouraged to use technology, but perhaps they don't have a kind of a too much awareness of the bigger picture or the, the other areas across the maritime technology and the, the satellite communication space. So the goal is to try and help those people that are new to the digital side of shipping. And also, as we evolve, we're going to produce more in-depth courses. So the initial digital shipping skills accelerator course is going to be run by myself. And then as we evolve into the more kind of advanced kind of masterclass sort of courses, that's mainly going to be held by different industry experts. So it'll be a combination of lecturers, people from businesses, people from the ship owning side. So I'm really excited to get get that up and running and that'll be with you very shortly. So if you're interested, please do drop me a note on LinkedIn or, or message Callum at CordellBeaumont.com and we'll be able to share a few more details. But uh, I have been posting a little bit about that on LinkedIn recently. So thank you for listening. Back to the episode. Now that, that makes excellent sense. Good. Okay. And I guess your view of the, the obviously the 
investment in the maritime space has shifted and kind of grown and fluctuated a lot over the last, say, five to 10 years or so, especially when it comes to technology. So what's kind of your view of the, the investment in the maritime technology over the last, say, five years or so? Oh, that depends. How much time do I have? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the landscape for software and technology in the, in the maritime industry is very fascinating to discuss. There are also like a huge differences between uh, what's going on onshore in the offices and, and versus what's going on on board the vessels. So new vessels today are tend to be high-tech assets driven by environmental legislation, IMO, the countries, connectivity between the vessels and the offices. Cyber security, of course, but the tech is available there. So there is there. So here we are more talking about how much money you want to invest and and when do you do the investment. And then navigational software has been around for many years already. And now you you also find um, uh, much better like maintenance systems on board the vessels. So you have Internet of Things, you have sensors, you have good uh, yeah. connectivity on board the vessel. So I think like uh, the the uh, the vessels as assets are becoming very advanced in these days. I think there is more the biggest question on for software on board is more are you willing to share the data from a business point of view for software implemented in the offices? I think it's a bit different landscape. So I will say like four years ago when I I decided to go with Maritime Automation, I did some research on the web, talked to all business friends, map uh, their software, thought about my tech experience from what I have achieved outside the maritime industry for some years. And I, I thought, ah, this can't be true. It seems as these uh, offices are still uh, working in a kind of stone age, while other industries have started moving to cloud solutions, softwares as a service, mobile phones, etc. Uh, nothing seems to have happened in the maritime industry during the last year. That was four years ago. And then came COVID. Yeah. And I started to notice that uh, this themselves then. So the, the software vendors, but you know, moving away from legacy software uh, into the cloud uh, software and trying to get a design for large screens to fit into small mobile devices, that's not necessarily a quick fix. So I think like there were a lot of new challenges uh, popping up during the COVID. And then you had the startups. Uh, I will say before the, the COVID, it was kind of tough times for the maritime startups uh, because most of them are not here anymore. And, uh, and others are backed by majority industrial owners, which also yeah. maybe influence uh, the softwares and their decisions because they might be biased. Ownership might uh, come from ship owners, uh, brokers, classification companies, etc. And it seems like it was like a kind of very difficult tech landscape, I will say, uh, popping up. Uh, during the COVID. Then it was like before and after COVID and yeah. the same goes for investors. I think the biggest change now is uh, like post-COVID and, and also what's happening with this chat GPT and open AI, AI uh, technology. And I think for the investors though, it becomes... Also, either you look upon this kind of landscape as a land of opportunity, or you look upon it as nice, something that you want to stay out of. So I think yes. like also capital was poor, has been poured into the industry, trying to consolidating this uh, software as well uh, in the maritime sector. And and most of those investment companies are large PE or venture companies, dominating mostly UK and US. So yeah. there has has like started a kind of consolidation race among uh, these uh, big uh, investors. So I, I, I'm very interested to see what's happening now during the last two, three, no, sorry, the next two, three years um, yes. in, in this landscape. And then yeah. we have big companies telling others that they will be the monopolist and they would be the only one available within some years. Uh, that's something I don't believe in. I, I don't think there will be a one uh, win, winner in this game. I think it will be many because uh, the industry's DNA is, is, is made up by competition. 
and and uh, yes. you have so many uh, variations that you need to take into consideration. Also, so I don't think there will be one winning big uh, no. unity. I think it will be a myriad of companies. Yeah, and also the the industry itself. For example, for ship owners, not not every ship owner has two hundred vessels. You have a whole mixture of. Ooh of owners with different size fleets they prefer to work in certain ways so they may not want to work with a very large 500 headcount software company they might like the more personalized mm-hmm. 10 20 30 sort of size business um that works more in their their sort of manner so i i, I think you're completely right i don't think that everyone's going to go down the consolidation route i think yep. there's lots of opportunities there for people still yeah it is for software it's also two other things that is important in my opinion it's like uh, okay first it needs to be available understandable and easy to use and and give some benefits and uh, for the users of course but it is also part uh, that is important is availability goes with pricing so it as i mean most of the softwares are super expensive and that exclude uh, a lot of companies so if you can like offer a software which which like we are doing then uh, like almost very also it's not for free but it's like very affordable you can i can set uh, put together modules and you pay as you go uh, it's a very yes. low price per module it makes it much flex much more flexible also for the small companies to join in this digital race no interesting yeah i'm really excited to see what the next couple of years brings as well certainly from our point of view we, we've obviously really focused our attention on the recruiting space in the digital shipping and maritime technology space over the last kind of four years or so. So it's been a dramatic shift for us. Initially, we were very focused on more on the commercial shipping recruitment, kind of brokers, operators, uh, market analysts, as well as some digital. But as you said, since kind of the start of COVID, we've just seen a dramatic increase in the demand for skilled either kind of on the technical side more sort of software engineers but mainly kind of product managers software sales professionals and things so it's it's really been our core focus and we've shaped our whole business around it really well i think that's very 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 good pick yeah Callum, because i think like um, okay so you can talk a lot about different skills but if you don't understand the industry which i think is your benefits and uh, and advantage when you put together salespeople and and digital marketing people understanding that yeah uh, kind of skills they learned at school etc you need to convert them into understanding the industry and and the shipping industry and i've been in construction i've been doing a lot of other industries but mostly shipping my heart is in shipping but in shipping <laughs> You have a very complex uh, maritime cluster with uh, many different uh, companies uh, with different business models belonging together. <clears throat> and if you don't understand that, it's very difficult to communicate to the business. So I think yes. uh, the, the initiatives that you are taking in these days, um, trying also to help uh, maritime software companies to recruit people who also understand the shipping business, that's, that's uh, very, very important to be successful in sales and marketing, is that you understand the yeah. business. Yeah, I agree. And you, you understand the, the value of the solutions that they're selling to their end client, essentially. So if you can articulate that to, to any potential candidates, they need to know that this software is being sold to, let's say, for example, a charterer or a ship owner. They're completely different types of people, different yeah. businesses. So you kind of, if you can articulate it a little bit better, it, it's helpful for us to, to be able to do that to people. Cool. Okay. And then obviously you've, you've been a successful business owner. You, you still are, obviously. You, you've kind of uh, scaled and you've exited. So are there any tips or kind of bits of advice you could share to other entrepreneurs out there that are currently growing their companies, perhaps to make them more a little bit more attractive for either for acquisition or, or for a sale at some point? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I can share my 
my opinions and experience, I would say, I would start out by saying, don't start, uh, don't uh, initiate a startup if you only think about the exit, uh, because there will be many exit options along your journey and they will be very different from each other. So if you have a good project with a good business model and a good team, there will always be exit uh, options for your initiative. So don't do it only for the exit. Do it because you should only start a company because you think you have passion for something, uh, you find a problem that you want to solve, uh, you have the knowledge and you have the capabilities of building a team because being a successful entrepreneur is mostly about long working hours prioritizing always maybe the company before everything else in your life <laughs> so so yes. if you don't feel really passionate about what you are doing and have a good team that you don't spend as you enjoy spending time together with you should never start a startup so that's the most important steps i think and then i think the next thing is like also which is maybe a little bit not so much discussed in the startup uh, world is um, it's funding funding is something that uh, the entrepreneur seems to forget i think like starting to like when you, when you have this idea, you decide to go on with your startup, you also need to think about the funding because uh, very often it is the capital and the investors who create most of the challenges in a startup because very often things doesn't go according to plan. You need to, to do something else. You need to be agile. You, you, you do some mistakes, of course, as, 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 as anyone do, everyone does. So you really need to think through what type of investors you want uh, in your company. When do you want to invent, invest uh, or invite uh, investors and, uh, and how uh, you would like to work together with them? So I think maybe most of the, uh, the startups uh, goes uh, like or failed uh, because of this uh, lack of investor strategy. Because that's not what yes. you're interested in when you start a startup. I think also like uh, for my, for, uh, in my opinion, it's like you, you have an idea, you have a good team, and then you attract funding in that order. Because if the money takes too, place, too much place in the early phase, you, you don't have this kind of energy in the company anymore. And that is a very, very important thing to keep as long as possible. And also for mature companies, I think that's a good uh, energy to keep. Yeah, no, I think I completely agree. And and it relates to our business and lots of other kind of uh, scaling companies at the moment, especially in slightly challenging times that need to be agile and, and, and adaptive to sort of try different um, different avenues if one isn't quite working and, and ultimately hopefully make you more more valuable as you grow. And, and, and you also need to think about that because it's important to think about the differences between countries in these days because uh, yes. in some countries like the US and UK, you have like a more traditional uh, like uh, as of access to, to tech capital and tech investors. You have a culture. Uh, you, you find the companies uh, or investors understanding the different stages of a company's life cycle. But the, in Norway, that's uh, not the case, I would say. <laughs> We don't okay. have a kind of tradition and culture for private capital as you have in other countries. Tax is also a differentiator between countries. And, and here in Norway, it is not, might not be the best country to start a startup for local entrepreneurs. But though Norway is a fantastic country for foreigners investors <laughs> because they, they yeah. are not taxed as the Norwegian investors are. And, and as a professional investor with a weak uh, exchange rate, with a Norwegian Krone exchange rate, uh, we see a lot of uh, foreign uh, capital investors wanting to buy Norwegian startups and then uh, have a lot of people interested in these companies as well. So it looks yeah. very attractive for foreign capital to invest in Norway, not necessarily Norwegian capital to invest in Norway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really agree. And yeah, definitely uh, where you base your business is is hugely important, as you say, if you are starting, not just from the investment and the, the, the financial reason, but also from the kind of mobility of the team who you can help to attract and, and scale and 
And often we, we see lots of hubs. Actually, when, when we talk to some certain clients that are looking to perhaps hire into different geographies where they're not currently based, they often ask, okay, so where, where, are, where is the, the talent? Where are the main kind of pods of, of professionals that have some exposure to maritime and particular maritime technology? And they're usually in the regions where you kind of assume. So the, the, the large shipping hub, so obviously places like Rotterdam, Hamburg, Oslo, where, where the owners are traditionally is where they right. tend to be. If it's more of a kind of a pre sort of post-fixture platform, then they might be a little bit more closer to where the charters are. So maybe some more in the Middle East or, or other areas of America, Houston in particular, and, and obviously London, huge. So yeah, really important about where you base your company as well as um, the team and how you adapt over the over the yeah, years. And I think by saying that, I also think that you also state out that this is a true global industry. So it actually doesn't matter where you have like your core organization in a way. You have to go where the talents are. And I also think dance uh, software today makes that possible. You have uh, platform software, you have connectivity, you have accesses wherever you are. I mean, on all your devices. So it's just a matter of how you want to organize your business and and attract the talents where the talents are. So I, I think, again, you are having a good business model focusing on the global business uh, and the global industry and not, not only for like businesses in the UK and in London specifically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of split our markets up into kind of different verticals. And I mean, we kind of call them in our bit of a crude way, but we kind of technical maritime software and we have commercial maritime software mm. and we kind of class technical maritime software as more of the vessel performance, voyage optimization, maintenance solutions, uh, weather insights, that type of thing. Any, anything to do with the more of the vessel side uh, right. and perhaps the crewing and, and, and the, the, the performance of the, sh- of the ships. Whereas the commercial maritime software we, we have as we class as the more kind of pre and post fixer solutions. So anything to do with uh, insights into trade flows, uh, vessel positioning, that type of thing. So yeah, fascinating landscape. And and we're seeing more and more startups coming, especially from places like Israel, lots in in, in the Netherlands and Germany and stuff. So I think there's still a lot of appetite for the space. So it's just a case of seeing which ones uh, kind of get over the line and, and um, kind of get good traction, really. Well, I think like, yeah, you need startups uh, because we have so much legacy software around and and that legacy software is not um, able as uh, the only alternatives to actually bring this uh, industry into digital transformation so you need the startups that that's uh, that's actually something that you should welcome but of course the startups needs to show their their reason for uh, being there and they need to be stayers and they need to have um, yeah. patient investors backing <laughs> backing them otherwise they will be lost in quite a very, yes. very short time mm-hmm. so um, it's a kind of symbiosis of, uh, of uh, startups and legacy software and, and investors, etc. So that, that's what is needed. But you are actually then offering to the industry what the industry needs the most, and that is talent and, uh, and, and uh, people. That, that's what we need the most. I mean, I would love to see every people on the earth being interested in the maritime industry. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. And it's very hard for people that aren't from shipping at all they suddenly can go into a, a business. So I, I worked at Clarkson's for four years or so, and I was very involved with their recruitment. And the, the people that stayed there and kind of really grew, and, and, and on the whole, they generally had some kind of prior connection to shipping. Yeah. So maybe not just maybe not just in a broking role, but in, in either in marketing, some of the IT, if they have that 
buy into the shipping space. They sort of get the bug, then they just they love it. They they go, they thrive. But then you do also obviously get the the new ideas and the insights from people from outside of the business. But when we recruit, typically our our USP is be able to find people that combine maritime experience and software sales or software yep. experience is our key area so if you can get those two pieces together either by experience or through learning it's it's a great uh, really attractive for businesses yeah and, and, so, and it's a must mix i would say i mean to be successful sales person or marketing person in this business you need to understand the industry that that's you that's for sure so i think that's a winning formula you have that column so Thank you. We are, we're not the only company doing it, obviously, but we're, we're trying our best to, to be the front of mind for people when they're looking to hire. So I really appreciate your, your feedback. And um, now I've loved talking to you and learning about more about the investment side of, of, of the digital space. So more on a personal side, if you don't mind, mind me asking, um, I always like always like to sort of uh, get to know people a bit better. So are there any kind of particular hobbies or passions that you, you'd like to share with us that maybe people don't know about you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you are an entrepreneur, you don't have so much time to hobbies. For, but yep. uh, I, I can disclose that I'm the mother of four grown-up children, oh, and wow. uh, to be able to spend some time with them, uh, they are now and then working for Maritime Optimum, and two of them are working uh, regularly now as uh, as uh, employees. That's a uh, very good motivation for me to be oh, fantastic working long hours. But I also have yeah. um, my own passion, which has been with me since I was uh, 12 years old, and and visiting uh, Liverpool for the first time. I'm together oh, nice. with my father, with uh, on board Herc um, Merchant, that was the name of the vessel, and I joined my first uh, match at Anfield. So from that oh, age, I've been Excellent. traveling frequently to Liverpool every year together with my yeah, sons yeah. to watch uh, them playing. So. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Good. Yeah. I, I'm actually just uh, I, I just sort of um, going out to Liverpool quite regularly. I've just bought a little buy-to-let house in Liverpool. And oh, um, maybe we can call in yeah. <laughs> I know. If you ever need somewhere to stay, there you go. Um, <laughs> but no, <laughs> yeah, I, I love like the maritime heritage, obviously associated yeah. with Liverpool, and also the music scene with the Beatles, yeah, yeah. and I think it's called Matthew Street, and and, and the roads, all the all the memorabilia around the city, yeah. the statues and things. Really cool place. Uh, it's a maritime um, like also. I think there is quite unique mar- a place you have there actually in in, in the UK because. You have the history, you have the traditions, you have a city who have been into a lot of troubles and and uh, and, uh, and no growth and high unemployment uh, rates, etc. So it, I think it's like uh, it's a city who have been through a lot of challenges in the past, but now they are taking the next step also into the tech. You know, so they yep. have like a lot of companies doing a lot of great things in tech, in software, in in focusing on the maritime industry, talent. Uh, they have the university, so I am a really big fan of yeah. the city as well. <laughs> cool good well hopefully we'll see you there one day yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm next up <laughs> no. although I, I am a not a liverpool fan i won't say who i do support but uh well, you should discuss still... that when you ask me you know <laughs> <laughs> okay cool well a- anything else you'd like to share any any other words of wisdom or anything you'd like to take away i think uh, i would say thank you very much for inviting me and uh, and if you want uh, to know more about maritime optima you should go to our website and, uh, and sign up yep. for a free user account in, in ship intel basic and start exploring the software because one of the things that we really want to do is to uh, to develop this software together with the users so we we really want people's feedback uh, either if they are good or bad or something we can improve and learn from or or you're happy by using it so so we want this to be a kind of community software so uh, so if you want to yeah. check it out you should do that yeah no it, it, and, and for if anyone that wants to co- contact you personally it, it is 
Are you okay if people reach out to you on LinkedIn yeah, if they have any questions about the business or investment in, in shipping, that type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. It's Great. Like, it's a pleasure. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us and, and uh, really enjoyed this discussion. And um, yeah, I look forward to speaking again soon about some some other projects, hopefully. Thank you again for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me, Colum. And uh, it's a pleasure cool. meeting you as well. And uh, good luck with your project. Cool. And I hope we stay in touch and, yeah. and see each other. We will do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maritime Software Hub. That was a really interesting and, and uh, valuable conversation, I thought, with Christine. And certainly a number of takeaways I'm going to um, kind of digest and think about in relation to my own business. So I'm very excited to, to learn about how she approaches purchasing and investing in particular businesses. Seems very much focused on the, the team as a key driver, which, which is completely um, understandable. And also it's really interesting to learn about Maritime Optima's freemium model, something I don't see too often and, and I haven't heard too many businesses adopting. So it's great to see that they're getting a lot of success off, on the back of that. So thank you again for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate all your, your views, your, your support and, and the, uh, the follows and subscribers. So thank you again. Got another two or three really interesting episodes lined up and they'll be out in the coming weeks. Thank you again. Speak soon.